You're listening to Your Magical Midlife, the podcast for women 40 and up. I'm Kate Higgins. I'm a licensed clinical social worker turned coach, and I'm here to be your guide, your friend, and your mentor. I'm here to light your way into your most magical midlife. Let's dive in. Rosebud Woman was developed in response to women's unaddressed needs for beautiful, luxurious products that provide relief and pleasure for all women, whether it be for period pain, perimenopausal woes, or menopause symptoms. Intimate wellness products are often designed to use with a sexual partner or medicalized to treat a diagnosed issue. Rosebud Women feels ceremonial, like I'm doing a beauty ritual while addressing my 50-year-old body's needs. Their everyday honor bomb is gynecologist-tested and hormone-free. It hydrates, conditions, and replenishes intimate skin. It's excellent for pregnancy, perimenopause, menopause, and any other hormonal changes. Use the affiliate link in my show notes for 20% off. You can check out their products at www.rosebudwoman.com. Dot com. Check out all their beautiful products and use the affiliate code in the show notes. I started worrying about going through menopause right around the time I turned 40. I wasn't experiencing any symptoms yet of perimenopause. I wasn't having hot flashes. I wasn't having night sweats. I wasn't having any weird period stuff, but right around the time I turned 40, my mother very casually said that she had gone through menopause kind of early when she was 46. And at that time, when I was 40, I still was musing and considering trying to get pregnant. Not that my life was stable, not that I was in any position to support a child, but I started to think that maybe it was something I should do. Maybe I still had time to get pregnant. And so I discussed it with my partner, who at the time was still kind of my on-again, off-again partner. And he agreed that he would consider it, but he didn't really fully commit to it. So we kind of half-assed tried to get pregnant. We didn't really do much more than have sex regularly. But I remember thinking that it was certainly possible for me to get pregnant. I was kind of in denial about the reality. Most women have a hard time conceiving naturally. And when I say naturally, I mean without any medical intervention whatsoever. And there are plenty of medical interventions that you could go down a whole expensive rabbit hole of pursuing. There's IUI, there's IVF, there are several procedures where they can make it happen for you. But all of them are invasive, expensive, uncomfortable, require a lot of medical screening, 
And I'm not going to get too much into that because I am not a medical person. My background is psychiatric social work, certainly not medicine. And I think I'm probably a little bit biased in that I never did end up getting pregnant and then it just didn't happen. And then here I am, postmenopausal, post-hysterectomy. But back to the point, I thought because I saw women like J-Lo and Janet Jackson and insert celebrity here get pregnant, I thought, well, this won't be an issue for me. I can just get pregnant until I'm, what, 43, 44, and it won't be a problem at all. And I didn't really understand, because no one really spoke to me about it, that perimenopause starts probably in your late 30s and can go on for 10, 12, 15 years until you're finally over the hump and fully haven't had a period in a whole year, meaning that you are in menopause. And what pisses me off is that we don't talk about it as a culture. I didn't grow up in a household that talked about bodies. I was educated about my first period very briefly and in a kind of hushed, shameful, cloaked in secrecy way. That was my initiation into womanhood. I think my mother basically gave me a sex education talk that was essentially don't have sex. And when I got to the other side of it, there was really nothing more than look out. It's going to happen sooner than you think it's going to happen. And honestly, this is not great advice. And of course, I had access to many books, right? There's a library. I came of age and came through my 20s, 30s, and 40s in a time, a renaissance, in fact, of 90s feminist memoirs, literature, zines, things like Bust Magazine, which I got and gleaned a lot of my sexual education from, honestly. If you are familiar with Bust Magazine, I should probably thank those women personally for all the access that they gave me to women's reproductive and health information. So much more than I ever got from school, from my family, from anywhere else. Not only just what was within Bust Magazine itself, but also in the books that they recommended. I learned so much about things I didn't even really need, like having sex if you're disabled or having sex as a queer person or just the mechanics of how your body works. Honestly, I think I learned most of it from Bust Magazine. So thank you, editors of Bust Magazine, wherever you may be this day. I probably could look them up and Find them right on the Instagram. I'm sure they're there. In fact, I probably should immediately find them and follow them right after I finish recording this, and I'm going to. So I wasn't prepared really in any way, except that this mysterious thing is going to happen to you somewhere between the time you're 43 and 55. 
all these horrible things, quote unquote, horrible things are going to happen to you. You're going to have hot flashes and you're going to have night sweats and you're going to have wonky periods. And then all of a sudden, your vagina is going to dry up and fall out. And that's going to be the end of your sex life. That was pretty much, without the help of Bust Magazine, (laughs) the education I received. Thank goodness I did have a copy of Our Bodies Ourselves, which had a little bit of information, but again, like not too much. I think as a culture overall, as a whole, we don't want to discuss menopause. And I'm very grateful that it appears that that conversation is changing. And I am incredibly grateful that I might get to be a part of changing the conversation around aging and menopause, aging well, getting through the change, and maybe even living a vivid, vibrant life past the time that you are able to bear children. That's what I'm hoping for for myself and for all my friends and for you, my dear listener. It doesn't have to be a disaster It doesn't have to be a menopocalypse. It doesn't. It doesn't have to. Hot flashes are horrible. Hot flashes are uncomfortable. Hot flashes will wake you up in the middle of the night and you will be damp at best and soaked at worst. I never experienced the sheets filled with sweat I think that may have happened to me once or twice, and it was early enough in the transition that I was still living in Brooklyn in an apartment where I did not control the heat, and the steam heat would come on in the early spring, and the landlord would just blast everybody in the building, and the apartments would all be really, really warm. So I'm not even really sure if that was as severe as a hot flash as I remember, or if that was maybe a regular hot flash in an overly hot apartment in New York City. And in my early 40s, when I was trying to get pregnant, I was receiving some really good medical care from a dear high school friend of mine, Michelle Spina, And she is a naturopath and a acupuncturist and an overall amazing person. And she did acupuncture and Maya massage on me. And Maya massage is the manual manipulation of your uterus to tone it and prepare it to get pregnant. And it really, I think, extended my bleeding years by quite a bit and helped regulate my hormones and reduced all of my symptoms and prevented me from having to go on HRT, you know, at 47 or 48, which is probably when my periods really went off the rails. But Michelle really helped kind of extend that. And it may have happened earlier for me had I not been under her care. So if you look at my massage and you put that in a Google search and you are experiencing irregular periods or weird bleeding 
or if you are at the beginning of your perimenopausal journey, acupuncture and Maya massage may be the best ticket for you. You really should check it out if you can. So there was that. And I did go down a research rabbit hole at the time, thinking that if I couldn't get pregnant naturally, what would I do aside from acupuncture and Maya massage? So I looked into IUI, which is less invasive than IVF, and I looked into the cost of IVF, and it was way out of my reach. And I had to really sit with that and accept that. So then it just became an acceptance that I probably would not get pregnant if I couldn't get pregnant naturally. And I had to learn to be okay with that. And I did eventually learn to be okay with that. But there were some other really surprising symptoms of menopause aside from just the physical stuff. Well, there were some surprising physical things too. If you Google symptoms of menopause, you'll get some crazy long list that will be up to, I've seen lists that list over a hundred symptoms. And I've seen the 88 symptoms of menopause. And some of these are really way out there. There's like tinnitus, which is ringing in your ears. There's itchy skin. There's aching joints. There's gastric intestinal issues, constipation, diarrhea, migraines, flaky skin, hair loss. I mean, you name it, it can be attributed to hormone fluctuations. Pretty much any uncomfortable thing that any woman over 40 has ever experienced will somewhere on the internet be attributed to being in perimenopause. For me, personally, my symptoms had been and in some cases continue to be fatigue, aching joints, irregular periods until I had my hysterectomy, anxiety. That was a big one for me. My anxiety was off the chain between the time I was 42 until, well, (laughs) yesterday. Today, in fact. Well, my anxiety has never been great. I've always been a pretty anxious person. But when I started perimenopause, my anxiety was insane. Absolutely insane. Every somatic symptom would send me into a spiral of anxiety. I would spiral out all the time. And I did go on some herbal medication that Michelle gave me to address that. I went on some kava kava and some other Chinese herbs that I do not remember the name of, but they were incredibly helpful. I tried to improve my sleep. I tried to improve my self-care. I tried to improve my eating habits. I stopped eating, again, at Michelle's recommendation, I stopped eating um, low-fat and fat-free foods in favor of full-fat and whole foods. 
and mostly whole foods. And that did help a lot of my symptoms. I think when you realize that you are beginning to make that hormonal transition, you need to stop, drop, and roll right into radical self-care because your body is depleted of estrogen and progesterone. And there are estrogen receptors all over your body, not just in your ovaries. There are estrogen receptors in your brain, in your kidneys, I believe. Estrogen helps your joints feel good. Estrogen helps your brain work. Estrogen helps with your flexibility. And that's why when it drops, you feel like crap. So now, post-hysterectomy, I'm now on hormone replacement and I feel much, much better. And I know that hormone replacement can be very controversial. And I plan on, when I launch season two of this podcast, having experts on and doing interviews with people. And I have somebody in mind to discuss HRT therapy for this podcast and to go into the fact that you can safely go on HRT despite any family history of reproductive or breast cancer. Any studies that came out previously have been disproved now. And, you know, if you don't agree with that, that's fine. A lot of women do choose to never go on HRT, and that is their choice and totally up to them. For me personally, HRT has been a lifesaver. My joints are as supple as they can be, and I do take some supplements to assist with that. But in general, I believe it is the estrogen that is assisting my joints in helping me move with little to no aches and pains. It has helped my anxiety. It has helped my mood. It has helped my hair. It has helped my skin. And I've been very lucky in that I have health care. I have health insurance. I had my surgery when I was still employed at my corporate job. And I'm really lucky that I'm on the other side and I feel pretty good. The emotional side of going through menopause is grappling with the realization that you are no longer young and you are at a different stage. And I don't feel that I am fully in that crone stage that we talk about as spiritual people or in pop culture. I feel like the crones are really the women in like the 65 and up club or maybe even the 70 and up club. I don't feel like I am at that wise woman stage yet. I feel like I'm in an in-between stage. And this is a concept that I am working on and plan to incorporate in my coaching program. So if you're interested in this, shoot me a DM and we can talk about it more. But I feel like there's a missing stage here in a woman's life. There's the maiden, there's the mother, there's the crone, 
But there's this between stage that I am exploring for myself. And I hope to explore more fully in the work that I am doing. There's a between stage that I like to call the empress or the queen or the crone in waiting, whichever term that you like, you can use. And I feel like it's that 45 to 70 period where you are like stepping into yourself. You're stepping into this new identity. You are claiming your self-worth. You are claiming your power. You are connecting to your intuition. You're connecting to who you are now as you become that elder, that wise woman. You're not there yet, but you're not really a mother. Any, If you're a mother, you're always a mother, but you're not mothering children at this point actively, or you're not of reproductive years. You are becoming that wise woman, but you're working towards it. You're getting your PhD in intuition, in womanhood, in your sovereignty, and then you will take that crone crown at another point. Let me know your thoughts on this. There really is so much to explore in these years, and it's really, really exciting. And I'm so excited to be on this journey now that I'm out of that horrible anxiety that I felt when my hormones were shifting and waving and weaving and morphing. I'm so grateful to not be like in that constant state of panic and to be in a stage where I am walking forward with excitement, with enthusiasm, with a clear head and an open heart. So let's pull a card for this episode. Again, as always, I would love your feedback because this is the work that I'm doing and this is the work that I am offering. So let's see what comes up. I am shuffling. I am shuffling the cards. You can hear that probably. And I'm going to pull right from the middle, right where my finger guides me. The card for this episode is the Knight of Wands. The Knight of Wands is a card that is ephemeral. It is a card about things that come in quickly and leave quickly. It's a card that I'm going to interpret to relate to this episode about the stage of actual perimenopausal transition into menopause. It comes in and it goes. It comes in, it changes you, and then it leaves you in a different place. It's that rite of initiation. It's that fire touch where we are changed forever, but we are on to something new. And that's all I have for you this week. And I will see you next Thursday. Thanks again for listening to Your Magical Midlife. I'm Kate Higgins, your host. You can follow me on Instagram at Your Magical Midlife. You can check out my offerings on my website, www.yourmagicalmidlife.com. I offer one-to-one coaching, group coaching, retreats, a blog, and this podcast. Please remember to like, rate, and review to keep me in those algorithms. Have a great week.
See you soon.